uh, tremendous singing, and uh, I hope you understand that singing is part of worship. You understand that? Uh, it's part of worship. Uh, by the way, that's, uh, when you think about it, the Bible says that there are even um, the angels surrounding the throne that are singing uh, and uh, praising God. And one day when uh, we get to heaven, the Bible tells in the book of Revelation that those who are bought by the blood of the Lamb will be able to sing a new song that's never been sung before. I'm looking forward to what that song is going to be. We don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be a new song, right? But guess what we get to do with that new song? We get to sing it. That's right. These young people know we get to sing, right? And, uh, and so that's a part of worship. And uh, it's important that uh, even through the song service that we prepare our hearts for what God has for us. And so uh, just great, great singing uh, today. And uh, praise the Lord for that. All right. Well, this morning or this evening, uh, I want you to take your Bibles to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. And um, obviously there's, um, there's a lot of things that we could go through as far as as we've been going through the series on Sunday nights on developing biblical standards. There's lots of things that, that we could look at. Uh, obviously, I know uh, next Sunday night we have the youth service, and then the following Sunday night we have the crown group, and then, uh, and I think is that... Four weeks from now, we have the family, uh, our family conference and things. And so just kind of, uh, I think tonight, I'm just going to kind of wind down this uh, series on developing biblical standards. Um, Not that there's not other things we could look at, but just because of uh, the time and things like that, uh, we'll be moving on to some other things. But uh, this is such an important thing uh, for Christians that we understand and how to develop biblical standards. And uh, I hope that as we've gone through this series, uh, it has encouraged you to develop your own uh, standards for your life and for your family uh, and how to do that uh, and to teach your children these things. But tonight, um, one thing that, uh, of course, um, in our church, we have a great desire for young people. Um, we love the young people in our church, the, the, young, the youth, the teens, uh, the juniors, the primaries. I mean, all of it, all the way down to nursery and things. We just have a, have a heart for young people. And, uh, and so I thought I might maybe tonight just kind of touch on a subject that um, I don't know if we really hear um, spoken about a lot. And, uh, and again, I don't know what your view is on this. I'm not here to try to uh, change your view or anything. But again, we're just kind of looking at some biblical standards on some things. And uh, so I wanted to kind of speak tonight on the subject of dating and marriage, right? Dating and marriage. Um, I don't know what you call it. Uh, I've heard many people call it different things. Some people have call it, called it uh, courtship. Uh, some people call it dating. Uh, some people call it, you know, getting to know each other. What was that? Prospecting. Prospecting. Wow, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Haven't heard that one before. Um, has anybody noticed today that there have been these demon-possessed flies? Yes. Like, all day today in the service, there is one... I'm just warning you right now, there is one flying around here, okay? And the last time I started waving my hands because of a fly, y'all thought I went charismatic or something, and you're like, you're going cr- nuts. But no, no, it's, there is a fly. He was just buzzing around here, so i just given you a heads up. If you start seeing me doing this, I'm not, I'm not trying to lead you in song or anything like that, okay? It's just, there's a fly up here, okay? Um, so let's, let's kind of look at this tonight and uh, get, get some view, and I'm going to have you uh, give me some things here in a few minutes. Um, 
But when we think about dating, what is, and again, I'm just going to use that term tonight. You may call it something different, and that's fine. I'm just going to use that term this evening, um, uh, this idea of dating, right? Um, what is the purpose for dating, right? And I'm going to I'm going to ask more of like the adults to answer this question because I think they might understand it a little bit more uh, than some young people. So what is the purpose of dating? Somebody tell me, what is the purpose of dating? Brother Jake? Marriage. Marriage. Wow, that was just quick. Marriage, right? Um, Anybody else? Anybody else want to give me a, what is the purpose for dating? That pretty much summed it up. Miss Cheryl? Okay, trying to get to know somebody, right? Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, getting to know somebody, marriage. Ms. Allison? To see if they're compatible, to see if, if they agree with you or disagree or um, things like that. All right, yeah, very, very good. Okay. So I think we would agree, we would say that the purpose for dating then would be to get to know someone, right, to see if they would be a good spouse, is, would that be a good definition, right? We're, we're trying to get to know someone or prospecting. I'm, goodness, prospecting. We're, trying to get, we're trying to get to know someone to see if they would be a good spouse, right? We're wanting to see if they're going to be a good spouse, right? So again, the marriage is the, the ultimate end game, right, in this idea of dating. Um, but the purpose of it is to be able to get to know the person. How many of you, and uh, forgive me if this happened to you, I'm not trying to put this down or anything like that, Uh, but how many of you are glad that uh, we don't have prearranged marriages today? Anybody glad for that, right? Wow, most of you are. Okay, good, right? Um, You know, in in those days, in the old days, they would kind of prearrange a marriage, you know, okay, this family's going to agree with this family. They have a daughter, they have a son, and sometimes, you know, uh, the, the two families uniting would make a stronger clan and things like this. And, and so, you know, you have a young lady and you have a young man and their families have agreed to have them marry and they've never even met each other. They don't know what they look like. And then finally the day shows up, they're going to get married and like, oh, this is the person I'm going to spend my life with. Great. Um, so I, I'm very thankful that we don't do that anymore. I'm thankful my parents did not do that with me. Right. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. But uh, again, the, the whole purpose, the, the idea of this dating is to be able to get to know someone to see if they would be a good spouse. Because, again, the end game is marriage. Okay? And marriage is a good thing. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, we're in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 21, it says, The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man, right? So we have this idea. Now, why is God doing this? We'll look back up in verse number 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet, okay? So God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Again, God has created all the animals, 
uh, on, on day six, all the animals are created. Um, on, on day five, you have the fish and the fowl. But on day six, all the land creatures are being created. Uh, and then God takes the dust of the ground and he forms Adam, uh, gives him life. And so now you have the first man. Um, but as Adam is naming all the animals, obviously we understand that God uh, created male and female. But yet when Adam looked around, he said, hey, there's, there's nobody else like me, Right. Um, because again, we understand that we are not, we did not come from animals. Okay. We did not come from animals. Uh, animals are very different from human beings. Okay. Um, and so God says, it's not good that man should be alone. And so he, he causes Adam to fall asleep. He takes one of Adam's ribs and makes Eve for him. And it's very important that we look here in verse number 18, what God says right? It's not good that man should be alone. And that's really many times where we focus. We're like, yeah, praise God. Amen. It's not good for man to be alone, right? I'm um, looking, I need a wife, right? And a lot of times guys, we can tell them, God has told me that you're going to marry me. That doesn't work a lot. Okay. Don't, don't try that. That's probably not going to work. Okay. But watch what he says. And I will make him and help meet for him. A help meet. The purpose of marriage is not just so that uh, a man can have somebody to do all the cooking and to wash the clothes and, and to do all these other different things. That is not the purpose for marriage. God says there is a specific purpose in marriage. And he says that here in verse number 18. He says, I will make an help meet for him. The purpose that God designed in marriage is to be able to serve the Lord together. We're to serve God together, the man and the woman. They are there to serve God together. Remember, Adam was placed in the garden to serve the Lord. There was work for Adam to do. Okay? Adam wasn't just sitting in the garden, you know, laying in a hammock, twiddling his thumb, sipping on iced tea. Okay? There was work that God had given him to do in the garden. And as God creates, uh, makes Eve out of Adam's rib, he brings her to Adam so that they are able to serve the Lord together, okay? Now, now here's the thing. It is so important that we understand this first principle in marriage because if we don't understand this first principle in marriage, marriage is not going to make sense. Do you understand the, the divorce rate that we have in our country today, Right? Uh, it's a very high divorce rate, almost 50% in our country today. Now, why is that, right? Well, you know, it's because people are, are lost and people are, and I understand that. But if you look even at, in churches and among Christians, there's a high divorce rate. Now, it may not be 50%, but there's a much higher divorce rate than what we would like to see, okay? Now, why is that? I believe it is because we don't understand the purpose of marriage. It's not just to have a companion, although that is good, right? Companionship is good. It's not just to be able to have somebody to do fun things with, right? Uh, although that is nice, okay? But you can have a companion, you can have somebody to do fun things with and then not be your spouse, okay? The purpose here, God says, is that there is to, they are to serve God together, right? In marriage, the husband and wife are to serve the Lord together. Again, their purpose was to work in the garden together. They were to work together. Now, please understand that 
when God says that it's not good that man should be alone, please understand that it does not mean that every person is going to get married. Okay? Um, I think we've kind of, we have this concept, we have this idea that if someone doesn't get married, then they must not be right with God. No, I don't believe that it's true at all. Okay? Um, I don't believe that God calls every single person to marriage. Well, but pastor, you just said it's not good that man should be alone. Well, again, let's, let's remember, okay, we always want to keep Scripture in context, right? Right? Keep Scripture in context. How many people were on the earth at this time? One. One person. You understand why God said it's not good for man to be alone? He was alone. The only one on the planet at this time. Period. (laughs) There's nobody else. So I understand, yes, marriage is good. Marriage is honorable. Marriage is important, all those things. But we have to be careful because there are some that God may say that marriage is not for them. And if we're not careful, we can almost look down our nose and say, well, if you're not married, then what's wrong with you? Wait a minute. What if it's not God's will for them to be married? Well, everybody was... No, not everybody was married. You look in Scripture, not everybody was married. Okay? And so we have to understand, right, that just because somebody is not married doesn't mean God can't use them to serve the Lord. God can still use them. Okay? And I've seen God use uh, single ladies. I've seen God use single men. It's not that they cannot be used by God. Don't, don't, mis- don't misunderstand this. Okay? Um, and so, as, again, understanding that when God says this, it's not good for man to be alone. There is only one man at this time. Okay? Uh, and again, marriage is a good thing, but we have to be careful that we don't put this stigmatism on those who are single and thinking that somehow that makes them a second-class Christian. They're not a second-class Christian, right? And I think we'll see that as we go through here, right? Because it's not necessarily God's will for everyone to marry. God can use single men and women just as much as he can married couples, okay? Uh, If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, we're not going to get into the whole passage here, but there is a specific passage that Paul deals with those who are unmarried, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, notice in verse number 32. He says, but I would have you without carefulness. In other words, that worry and taking care. He says, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. So think about what he's saying here, right? He's saying there are those who are single. There are those who are married. Okay. Now, again, Paul is not saying one is better than the other. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying. But in, this, in these two verses, what is Paul saying? Those who are single are actually able to focus more on God and God alone. 
Whereas those who are married, yes, they're focusing on God. They can focus on God. But look, fellas, you better focus on your wife too. Because if you don't, it's not going to be good at home. And ladies, you better focus on your husband. Because if you don't, it's not going to be good at home. So what do you have? You have a husband and wife. They're both focusing on God. But yet at the same time, they also have to care for one another. And if God blesses and brings children into the family, then what is now? Now, hey, we're focusing on God, but now I've got a wife and and I've got children and I've got these things that I have to take care of as well. Whereas a single person, one who is single, does not have that care of a spouse, does not have that care of children. And so they are able to really laser focus on God and God alone. So, so please don't ever think, well, because, because this Christian over here isn't married, they must not be serving God. Friend, they may be serving God more than you. Because you've got to take care of your wife, you've got to take care of your husband, you've got to take care of your children, you've got, you got doctor's appointments, and you've got uh, all these things you've got to go to, and, and where a single person, they're able to give themselves wholly to God and say, God, I'm yours. There's nothing else to distract me. God, I am totally yours. And so Paul is saying here, look, it's not, it's not, un, it's not unspiritual to be single. In fact, he says... Uh, again, married people are concerned about trying to please their spouse, which, again, you should. That, he's not saying that's wrong. You should be concerned about taking care of your spouse. But unmarried are able to give more time to serving the Lord. And this is what he's saying. There's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So he says it's both the the husband and the wife. They're concerned about each other, which rightly they should be. But because of that, they're not able to be completely focused on God as a single person is. You understand what I'm saying here? So we we have to get this this stigmatism out and, and push to the side and say, hey, just because somebody is single does not mean that they're less of a Christian. Because somebody is single doesn't mean they can't serve God the same way somebody else can. No, no, that is absolutely, totally false and wrong. And we need to put that aside because they can serve God greatly and they can do things for God that many married people cannot do. And thank God for that. Thank God that they're willing to serve God, right? And so... Uh, So we have to understand that it's not necessarily God's will for every single person to marry. And that's okay, right? It's okay. Um, It's almost, so it's kind of crazy. In in Christianity, we we have this stigmatism that if you're single, there must be something wrong with you. In the world, there's the stigmatism almost like if you haven't had an affair, there's something wrong with you. Well, that's definitely wrong. And so is this. Those are both wrong. And we have to understand, hey, especially as Christians, okay, hey, it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married. Man, we can serve God no matter who we are. And just because somebody is single doesn't mean that somehow that makes them less, right? Now, so if dating then is to get to know someone to see if they would be a good spouse, okay? We've got to set that platform 
The purpose of dating is to try to get to know someone to see if they would be a good spouse. Because again, we're talking about marriage. Okay. Then may I ask, why are we teaching first and second graders to have boyfriends and girlfriends? Don't look at me like that's something new you've never heard before. You say, well, well that's, that's just crazy. You're right, it is. Are you going to tell me a first grader is ready to get married? No. May I ask then, why are we teaching 15 and 16-year-olds to have boyfriends and girlfriends? Oh, no, but, you know, they just, they're just having fun. No, wait, hold on a second. If a first and second grader is not ready to get married, are you really telling me that a 15 and 16-year-old is ready to get married? Well, my kid's just more mature. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> you see, we, we, have, we have almost kind of adopted the world's philosophy, right? That if, man, first and second graders, they're talking about having boyfriends and girlfriends and 15 and 16-year-olds, well, having boyfriends and girlfriends. And, you know, and, and, and here's what begins to happen, right? And watch how, how slick the world is. What are they setting them up for? Failure in what? Marriage. First grader comes home. My boyfriend doesn't doesn't, doesn't want to sit with me anymore. One, you shouldn't have a boyfriend or girlfriend anyway. But two, and then watch what happens. A week later, they come home, and guess what they have? A different girlfriend or a different boyfriend. And here's what happens. By the time they get to be teenagers, they've had 20-some girlfriends or boyfriends. And then in their teenage years, what happens? Well, I've got this boyfriend or I've got this girlfriend. And man, things are going great. I just love them so much. And two weeks later, oh, I've got this other boyfriend. I've got this other girlfriend. What happened to that person? Well, they didn't do things the way I wanted And we are teaching our children to fail in marriage. That's what we're teaching them. Hey, if it doesn't work out, there'll be another one. What happens in marriage? Well, if marriage doesn't work out, there'll be another one. Now, now please, do, do not get me wrong, right? I understand. Look, I, I know that there are many people that are divorced and remarried and things like this, and I understand circumstances happen, okay? I get that. I'm not saying if somebody is divorced and remarried that somehow they're, they're wicked. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying we are teaching our children, we are setting them up for failure in marriage, which is not what God designed. A 15 and 16-year-old is not ready for marriage. First and second grader is not ready for marriage. So when, so let me just, let me just throw this out here, right? Would we say, again, I'm just throwing some things out here. Would we say that an 18-year-old is ready for marriage? Maybe, maybe, right? Would you say a 20-year-old is ready for marriage? Maybe, right? Would we say a 21-year-old is ready for marriage? I say no. 
Hi, Megan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but here, again, we're, we're understanding the purpose of, of dating is to, to find out, to get to know someone well enough to find out, is this person going to be a good spouse? Are they going to be a good spouse? Okay. And again, the primary purpose of marriage, again, we're looking at God's design for marriage, right? I'm not talking about the world's design for marriage, right? We're talking about God's design for marriage. I hope tonight we're all saved here. I hope we're all Christians, okay? Um, that's, that's the most important thing. If you're not, obviously, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved, okay? But as Christians, we're saying, hey, we want God's design. We want to be biblical, Right? And God designed marriage, the purpose of it, to be to serve God together, to serve God together. So when it comes time for a young man or a young lady to date, again, the purpose is not just to have fun, okay? It's not just to to have fun. The purpose is, look, I am thinking that this could be someone that I could marry, that I could spend the rest of my life with. So I want to get to know this person a little bit more to find out if this is is a person maybe that God would have for me, okay? So when we're thinking about dating, right, again, understanding the purpose of it, right, when it comes to dating, what then should we be looking for in that other person? When we're thinking about dating, right, we understand, hey, maybe the person is 18, 19, 20. I believe, if I'm not even mistaken, you can't even marry unless you're 18 in America. Is that right? Am I wrong on that? Am I wrong? What is it? Oklahoma is not part of America, right? That's, that's a foreign country. It's a foreign country, right? As long as you have a parent's, yes. But just for anybody to decide on themselves, I believe it's 18, right? Yes. See, I wasn't far off, okay? Um, now, yes, you can have somebody sign as far as a parent or guardian, but to, for you to decide to get married, I believe you have to be 18. That's considered the legal age, okay? So we're going with, we're just saying tonight, the legal age, okay? Again, doesn't mean an 18-year-old is ready to get married. Doesn't mean an 18-year-old should get married or a 20-year-old, right? Uh, again, there's, there's not a specific age. We're not saying, okay, by the time you're 19, you should be married by now, right? No, somebody could be married at 25, somebody could marry at 45. That, there's not a specific age, right? But when a person is saying, hey, I think it's time that I should start uh, thinking about marriage and I'm going to start looking for a spouse, I'm going to start dating, I want to date someone, okay? And they say, hey, there's someone that I'm interested in dating, okay? What should they look for, okay? So again, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to kind of open this up, not not necessarily for kids and things, but for for adults and maybe even some teenagers to maybe give some, some opinion here. But I think there are some specific things that, again, we're talking biblical standards here. We're talking about biblical marriage that should be made sure that are included in this idea of dating because I'm looking for a spouse. There is, this is looking at marriage here, okay? So what should be something that, what should be some qualifications, some biblical qualifications for marriage, right? So what would we say? What, is, what would be a biblical qualification for marriage? What's that? Salvation. Salvation, right? The very first thing we ought to find out is, is the person that we are looking at, are they saved? 
Do they know Jesus Christ? By the way, friend, that ought to be the very first qualification that is ever talked about. Because if that person doesn't know the Lord, guess what? You've got a serious problem. Not only now, not only now are you as, you know, if that marriage were to happen, are you trying to take care of the spouse or whatever, but now you're trying to please a spouse that cares nothing really about God. And you're trying to please God. The spouse cares nothing about God. You're going to have a really hard time here, right? And so the very first thing that we're looking for in a spouse or in marriage ought to be, is this person saved? Does this person know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Okay. Uh, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Obviously, we're not going to go through the whole uh, idea or explaining salvation and everything. Again, I hope tonight that you know the Lord. Um, but is the person saved? Do they, do they have that personal relationship with Christ? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So again, understand, uh, again, we're, we're, we're applying this understanding about marriage here, where the application we're dealing with, we're, t- we're talking about is marriage. He says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay? Again, you have that idea of a yoke that is placed upon two, two animals, right? And you want to make sure that the animals are compatible because if you're plowing a field, uh, you don't want one that is 10 times stronger than the other because what's going to happen when you start plowing the field? You're going to go in the direction of that one that's strongest, okay? You want them that are compatible, right? doesn't mean they have to be exactly the same in strength, but they're able to work together, right? You want, a, you want a straight line when you're plowing a field, okay? And he's saying, look, what, what agreement hath Christ with darkness? What, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness, okay? And so the very first thing, the very first qualification we ought to say is, is this person saved? Do they know the Lord is their Savior, right? If they don't, you know what that tells me? This person is, is not somebody that I should be looking at to marry because they're not saved. They don't even know the Lord. Well, I'm going to win them to Jesus. Yeah. I've heard that many, many times, right? Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the witness that they need. Well, be the witness they need, but don't think about marriage. Because here's the thing. If they find out, well, hey, you know, I can't date this person or this person's not going to date me unless I get saved. Well, what does that tell that person to do? Get saved. Why? So they can get married. Not because they're a sinner. Not because they understand that they're in need of salvation. Not because they even recognize what God has done for them. They're just going to do it simply to please the other person to be able to get married. Right? So you've got to be very careful about this. Right? Even God told Israel... It was a good example. God told them not to marry outside of Israel. Why? Because these other nations did not serve the same God. They didn't serve God. They served Baal. They served Ashtaroth. They served all these other gods, right? Um, what, what was it that, that caused Solomon's ruin? It was not, well, I was going to say it was not that he had so many wives, although that was probably part of it, right? But it was the gods that the wives followed he he brought wives that did not follow did not serve his god 
And what happened? The Bible says that his wives turned his heart away from the Lord. I've seen many, many Christians, both young men and young ladies, that say, well, I'll, you know, I'll just be a witness for them, and you know, we're going to get married, and then even after marriage, you know, if they're not saved, I'll keep being a witness until they, until they come to know the Lord. I can tell you the percentage that, uh, of those that have worked out where that person has come to the Lord is very minimal almost non-existent, okay? So the very first qualification is the person ought to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? Um, if not, in fact, um, before, before I got married, I made a, I made a list. There, were, there was a list of things that I, uh, I believe that, that should be in a wife, and the very first one on the list was she needed to be saved. She needed to be saved. Um, and, uh, you know, so... Thank God Jackie was saved. Amen. Um, what's, what's, what's another thing, right? What's another thing? Ms. Leanna? Okay. Agreement on doctrine, right? Very good. Agreement uh, on doctrine. Uh, because, again, you want to make sure that your doctrine and their doctrine are, are in line, right? Uh, because, again, if you believe that, hey, you can't lose your salvation, but this other person they're looking at says, well, yeah, you can lose your salvation. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna to struggle here, right? Um, so you need to check doctrine. What, what do you do believe about certain things? What do you believe the Bible teaches about certain things? What is, what is your doctrine? Does it, is it right? Okay. Um, uh, of course, in, in Uganda, there, we, have, um, uh, we had a lot of Muslims. We had a lot of Charismatics, and we had a lot of uh, the Anglicans and things like this. And and we, we always told our guys, we always taught our guys over there, um, you know, any, any lady that you think about marrying, number one, they need to be saved, and number two, you better make sure that they're right on doctrine. Um, because if they're not right on doctrine, uh, you're going to have a very difficult time in marriage. And I remember one of, the, one of the first guys that we had, his name was Davis, and uh, Davis was a great, he was a great guy, and uh, served in our church, helped, me, helped translate, uh, led music, did different things like this, and uh, Davis, uh, came home, uh, one day and he said, Hey pastor, there's, there's a lady that I, I want to marry. And, and I began to ask him about her and, uh, found out her name and things. And I, I said, is she saved? Yes, she's saved. Great. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I said, well, what about doctrine? He said, well, she's not really in agreement with everything that we believe, but he said, I think that will change. And I said, Davis, I, I'm just going to warn you, buddy. Um, if, if she's not believing the same things that you and I believe, once you get married, it's, it's going to be very difficult. No, Pastor, she's, she's, she's going to come along and she's going to change and, and she'll, she'll follow the same things that we believe. And, um, and so Davis went ahead and, and got married, married this young lady and things. And, um, you know, now they, they don't even go to church, not involved in ministry um, because their, their doctrine wasn't right. Again, what is the purpose of marriage? It's to serve the Lord together. Well, how can you serve God together if you don't even believe the same things? You don't have the same doctrine, right? So doctrine, man, that's, a, that's an important one, right? Well, what's another one? Yeah, Brother Jay. Yeah, I would say serving the Lord, right? We're serving the Lord together. Again, the whole purpose of marriage is to serve God, right? Serving the Lord, okay? Um, 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what does he say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, right? We need to be looking how we can serve the Lord. There's, there's a couple in the Bible that I, I just absolutely love. Um, I, I love what they did, right? They, they always were serving and things. But here's the thing that I love about this couple, right? Here's what I love about this couple. You will never find... You will never find when this, when their names are mentioned, you will never find the wife's name without the husband or the husband's name without the wife. Never. Every time in Scripture you find them, they're both together. They're both together. And, and when you read, you'll find that this couple, that, uh, some of you may know who I'm talking about, uh, it was Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. And, and when, you, when you say their names, you have to say them together because that's how they are in Scripture. It's Aquila and Priscilla, right? It's, it's Aquila and Priscilla. You know, there, there are some names when you say them together, they're not so good, right? Samson, uh, right? Not, not so good there, right? And but, but when you think of Aquila and Priscilla, man, they just love the Lord. They served God together. And that's why everywhere in Scripture, what do you find? You find Aquila and Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila and Priscilla. They're always mentioned together, right? In, in Acts chapter 18, verse number 2, and verse number 18, verse number 26, Romans 16, 3, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, 2 Timothy 4, 19. Every time you find them, they are always together. Why? Because God's purpose in marriage is to serve the Lord together. It's to serve God together. Um, you know, I, I love it when, you know, when I, when I hear Andrew and Jackie. I loved hearing that. Because it's us. God, God placed us together to serve him. And without her, I couldn't do the things that, that God has allowed me to do. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't stand up and preach. She just writes my messages. But she, no, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. She doesn't do that, right? Um, she doesn't do that, all right? But, but I mean, the things that, 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 that people say, well, man, you know, God has really blessed you. I mean, you were a missionary, and uh, you, you started a church and a radio station, and you're pastoring and all these different things. Look, none of those things I could have done without her. I could have done those without her. You see, we're to serve the Lord together, together. That's why I love it when, when we get husbands and wives serving in the same ministry, serving together. Now, I, know, I understand that doesn't happen every time, right? I understand that's not always going to be the case, but, but it's so important that we, we serve God together, right? And you know what that teaches your children when you have che- children? You serve God as a family. It's not just mom and dad. Now it's the family serving together right? We serve God together, okay? Um, And so again, man, are they serving the Lord, right? Not after you get married, but before you get married. Are they, do they have a heart to serve God now, right? What are they doing now to serve God? Well, they just show up for church. They don't really do anything else. I'm going to be a little leery about that because if they're not involved in serving now, guess what? After you guys get married, they're probably not going to be involved in serving, right? I mean, one of the things that, 
that I, I, I loved about my wife is she was on a bus route. She was out bringing kids in. She was teaching them. I mean, anywhere she can be involved, she was serving the Lord. I thought, man, if she's doing that now, and this was even before we started dating, I was just kind of, I was just kind of, I don't know if I was stalking, but I was like looking from, looking from a far distance, right? Looking from a far distance. I was like, man, she's, she's a really prospecting. Oh my, goodness. oh, my word. So I was looking from a far distance. And I'm like, hey, she loves the Lord. She's serving God. Um, you know, she seems to have a heart to, to serve. And man, I thought that, that would work. Because that's what my desire is. I want to serve God, and we'd be able to serve the Lord together. And I know she's doing that now, right? So serving the Lord, right? Uh, Being saved, having right doctrine, serving the Lord. What would be another one? Miss Emily. Sure. That's a big difference. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We had some young ladies uh, over at the house today. There were some other, we had some families and stuff. And one of the young ladies said, um, you know, originally, you know, she's just a young little girl, but she said, originally I wanted two kids. Now I want seven. I'm like, that's a big difference. <laughs> two to seven. That's, that's a big difference, right? So yes, you definitely want to be, uh, you definitely want to discuss those things beforehand. Make sure you're on the same page, right? Some people come from large families and they're just like, hey, I'm done with large families. I just want a small family. Some people come from small families like, man, I want a big family, right? I mean, I want 57 kids and 500 grandkids and good luck finding a spouse, you know? <laughs> um, but yes, you definitely want to make sure you're on the, on the same page, right? What else? Shane? Finances, right? Making sure we're on the same page, dealing with finances, okay, right? Um, you know, are we going to give to God? Are we going to do what God says and giving our tithe and giving to missions and things like that, right? That's important. Yes, mom? Helping each other draw closer to God. Are you going to encourage one another spiritually, right? Helping them to draw closer spiritually. Um, and, uh, uh, I think this really has to go even with um, kind of along that same lines, having a good testimony, right? Does this person have a good testimony? Um, what do other people think of them, right? Do other people think that they love the Lord? Do other people think that they uh, are wanting to serve, right? What is their testimony like? Um, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, in Philippians chapter 1, In verse number 27, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Think about that. He says, Your lifestyle, the way you live your life, ought to to become, it ought to exemplify the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? So that when people look at you, if you could say you're beautifying the gospel, right? You're making the gospel beautiful in your life. And that doesn't mean everything's perfect, but as you go through things, as you go through trials and difficulties and, and things like that, how do you respond? What is your testimony like? Do they have a good testimony with other people, right? Um, do other people see them as a godly young person? Do they see them as a godly man or a godly woman? Or are they, you know, hey, they're one thing in church, but when they get outside of church, they're a completely different thing out there, right? And they have a good testimony, right? Um, because you want them to help draw you together, right? Somebody else. I thought another name. Miss Rachel. Honor and 
good? Do they have Do they honor and respect the authority over them? That begins where? In the home, right? Do they honor their parents? Do they have a good relationship, right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1, what does it say? Children, I know you parents know this because you teach, that's the very first verse you teach your children, right? Children, obey your parents, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Do they respect their parents? Do they honor them? Okay, and please understand, not every, not every person is privileged to grow up in a Christian home. We understand that. Not every person is privileged to grow up in a Christian home, right? But even someone who does not have a Christian home, what is their testimony like at home? Do they still honor their parents at home? Again, we're talking biblical. We're not talking, you know, doing things that their, their parents want them to do that are sinful, but honoring their parents, being respectful to their parents, obeying their parents, right? Just because, just because someone has unsafe parents doesn't mean you get to treat them disrespectfully, right? Just because somebody has unsafe parents doesn't mean you just can treat them like trash. No, no. They're still your parents. They're still the authority that God has given to you, right? How do they treat their parents? Do they honor them? Do they respect them? Do they love them, right? Um, because, again, how, how they treat their parents and how they honor authority is going to be a very good indicator of what's going to happen in your home, right? Um, what do, they, do they honor the authority in the church, Right? Um, do they honor the, 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 if they're in the youth group, do they, uh, did they listen to their youth pastor when they were in, in the youth group? Uh, do they, do they listen to the pastor? Do they talk to the pastor's wife? Are they, uh, are they honoring that authority that, uh, that is over them? How do they respond to that authority? Because again, again, if, especially if, if this is a, a young lady, right? Because when you get into marriage, guess who God is placed to be the authority of the home? The husband, right? So how is she going to honor her husband's authority if she's not even willing to honor the parents that God has given her, the, 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 the spiritual authority in the church? There's going to be probably some problems there in the home. She's going to have a hard time honoring that authority, okay? Um, and so honoring their, the parents, having that good relationship over the authority uh, that God has placed over. Uh, anybody else real quick? Anybody else? Those are good, yeah. All that is true, yes. Um, and I, I love the way he began that, right? <laughs> All mother, uh, mother-in-law jokes aside, right? It is important that you are able to have a good relationship with the in-laws, right? Um, uh, because, again, that, that, look, you're, that, those are going to be your in-laws. They're, they're going to be there uh, for the... For your entire marriage, so uh, it's important to be able to get along with them. Uh, again, it's important to uh, understand there is a separation uh, from the homes, right? As as you get married, there's going to be a new home that is being organized there. Um, but uh, but yes, um, and that's I think uh, when we come to Ephesians chapter five, are they willing to follow God's plan in marriage? What is God's plan in marriage? The husband is to be the head of the home. He is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. The wife is to, be, uh, is to reverence her husband. The wife is to uh, be, be subject to her husband. She's to be in submission to her husband. And again, please understand, those are not bad words. Submission is not a bad word. 
Um, being the head of the home is not a bad word, right? Again, we have listened to the world. We've allowed the world to define terminology. Man, if you're, if you're a submissive wife, that means, you know, your husband, he must treat you like trash, right? Um, no, we're, we're talking biblical. We're not talking the world's idea, okay? Um, and, but this is God's plan, right? God is placed in the order of the home, the husband, the wife, and then the children, okay? Uh, again, you look at what's happening in our society. They're trying to completely reverse that, okay? They're trying to put the children as the head of the home, right? Uh, that's why you don't even have to ask parents' permission anymore to do things to kids, you know? Let's not even talk to the parents about it. Let's just find out what the kids want. Wait a minute. Are they in charge? Well, the government wants them to be in charge, right? That's not God's order. God said the, the husband, the father, the mother, the wife, the children, okay? Are they willing to follow God's plan in marriage? Is the husband willing to take the responsibility of the home, both physically and spiritually? Is the wife willing to uh, take her responsibility in submitting and uh, reverencing her husband and following his, his leading in the home? Are the children, are they going to obey the parents, Right? Um, and these are, these are all things that we find, look, these, these are so important, right? Because if not, listen, you're going to have a really hard time in your marriage, okay? Um, and, and so, sure, there, there could be some other things as well, but, but it's, I think it's important that we understand, look, there are biblical qualifications for marriage. And, and here's the thing, I, I want you to notice, as we began giving these biblical qualifications, there were, there were two that I believe the world emphasizes and focuses more than anything that were not even said tonight. What are the two qualifications that the world tries to focus on in this? What? Looks and what? Money. Looks and money. Can I tell you, that's not, that's not a qualification for marriage. It's not a qualification for marriage, right? That's not a biblical qualification, Okay. Um, no, I'm not saying it's wrong for a young lady to say, hey, I want, I want a handsome husband, you know, uh, for a man to say, I want, a, I want a beautiful wife. But again, we have to understand um, who determines what handsome and beauty are. Are you going to let the world determine that? Right? Um, I believe there's an old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right? That's why they have these, uh, that's why they have these shows on junk. Right? I mean, you go around looking for junk, right? Because this guy says, hey, that, man, that, that piece of junk right there, that's, that's awesome. And you're like, it's junk. Like, no, that's, man, that's awesome. I can take that, I can, I can clean that up a little bit, and I can sell it for five bucks. Go for it. It's in the eye of the beholder, right? And, uh, you know, you might say, hey, this is, this is the most beautiful lady that I've ever seen. And other people might look at you like, what? What are you talking about? Right? This is, this is the most handsome man I've ever seen. And other, what? What are you talking about? It's not about looks. It's not about money. Right? We're talking biblical qualifications for marriage. Right? And I, th- I really think all these have been very important. I think when we think about it, they need to be saved. They ought to be serving the Lord. That I have a good testimony. They need to honor their parents and have a good relationship with those in authority over them. Uh, they need to be willing to follow God's plan in marriage, right? If not, man, I'm telling you, if if those, you know, you say, well, you're 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 taking out the leading of the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit said. 
That's what the Holy Spirit said. It's right here in the book. Not taking the leading of the Holy Spirit out, right? These are things that we're talking about a biblical marriage, okay? And so when we're thinking about dating, we have to understand there's a purpose for dating. The dating purpose is to see, is this person someone that, that is going to be able to get along? Do they meet these qualifications? Because I, we're thinking about marriage here. We're thinking about something that is, and they still use this in vows, I'm pretty sure, till death do us part. Is this the person we're going to be able to, to be with for the rest of our life, right? Because we, why? We want to have a biblical marriage, okay? Um, and so it's important that we understand these things. So even, look, if you have kids and uh, they're young and you're like, man, dating is far down the road, great, praise God, right? Um, but you ought to think now and start saying, okay, hey, what are some qualifications and be able to start teach your children, hey, there is going to come a time when, hey, maybe God's going to have you get married and that's going to be great. But we have to understand we want the right person. We want the right person that God wants for your life. And we want to make sure that they're saved. We want to make sure they have a relationship with God. We want to make sure that they are serving the Lord. They have a heart's desire to serve God. It doesn't mean they have to be a missionary or preacher, but they're serving. Maybe they're serving and teaching in a Sunday school class or serving in the nursery or serving cleaning the church. or something. But they're serving God. They have a heart to serve, right? Um, they have a good testimony. They're honoring their parents. Uh, these are things that are so important that we make sure that we teach our children so they understand dating is not just about trying it. Okay, that didn't work. Let me try it over here. That didn't work. Let me try it over here. That didn't work. Let me try it over here. That didn't work. Let me try it over here. That didn't work. Let me try this one over here. That didn't work. Let me try. Well, I sure hope there's somebody out there. Well, let me try it over here. Let me try it over here. No, no. We're just setting them up for failure. Okay? And so we want to make sure to help them, uh, teach them these biblical principles that they can follow. And, and as parents, right, that's our job. We're, we're to protect our children. We're to, to help them to, to know, uh, again, what is the purpose of marriage? Man, we get to serve God together. And man, what a, what a blessed thing that is, right? Um, and if God says, hey, it's not my will for, for you to get married, you're going to serve me single, man, praise God for that. Don't be ashamed of that. Praise God for it. Because, man, you're going to be able to do things that married couples can't do. You're going to be able to serve and have opportunities that others do not have. But we have to understand, God God is able to use both. And we can praise God for that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I pray you to help us, uh, Lord, to realize how important it is, again, just to, to set up biblical standards in our life. Um, Lord, getting them from your word. Saying, Lord, these are things that we want to follow because we just we want to honor you. And, Lord, we want to live a life that is pleasing to you. And, uh, Lord, even in this aspect of, of dating and marriage and understanding how important this is, Lord, we need godly homes. Uh, Lord, we are, we're living, especially in our country, in just a, a wicked, wicked world. And Lord, we need godly homes to be able to stand for right and for truth and that the world can see there truly is something different about those who claim the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us in this. Um, Lord, may we learn, may we, may we take your word, and as we read it, may we apply these truths and set up, uh, Lord, some standards in our homes, Lord, to help us to follow you and have that liberty in following you. Uh, Lord, desiring to just please you with our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you just bless. And thank you for your love. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we can go to and learn these things from. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you for being here tonight. What we're going to do is, um, really, I, I don't even know if we need to, to really take a break. Um, uh, really, it's, this is going to be really, really.